From the banks of Dewey Lake, it's the Dewey Pod Monster. Welcome back. My name is John. This is the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. This is your weekly podcast about consumption. With me this week is the man who is the arbiter of draft therapy. His favorite flavor of mom is Linda. With me is Sean. Sean, how are you doing today? Yeah, my my back is not good, but other than that, I'm good. Who needs a back? Who needs yeah. support to be able to do things like stand or that's overrated? Standing, walking, those things are really, overrated. Recliners have gone really nice. In this uh, century. That's true. Last century, yeah. they were total dog shit, but Got 21st century. Holders. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. the hell? I don't exactly. even have a reason to get up anymore. <laughs> I was That just made me think of the episode of The Simpsons where Homer's in it, trying to be Thomas Edison, and he basically connects a toilet to the recliner, and Bart immediately goes, out of my way, gotta poop. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I won't be doing Perfect. that on my recliner, but... It Maybe. seems like all kinds of gross on like so many levels. Don't eat where you poop. Um, what have you been up to this week? Oh, uh, I, w- I walked to Chicago and boy, is my back tired. No, I didn't walk there, but I was in Chicago last week for a couple days. Just getting out of town. We thought that we were going to be going the week before Lollapalooza, but it ended up that we were there the week of Lollapalooza. Which it wasn't actually all that busy. I mean, it was busy. Chicago's very busy anyways, but sure. just on Michigan Avenue, like by Millennium Park, it was busier because it was Lollapalooza was right there. But uh, yeah, it was a good time. I told you before we started, I've been having back problems for a couple of years now, and it like came to a total head on the vacation. We kind of checked out a couple. I'm a big museum person. I like to go to museums, art museums, and we went to the Field Museum. And in the museums, I was rolling around in a wheelchair. So that was fun. That was a little humbling, but it was a lot better. I was probably in a lot better mood riding around in a wheelchair than I would have been sitting every, you know, 10 seconds and being a total festering asshole. But uh, yeah, other than that, <laughs> drive was good. You don't realize how big that city is. You know, you come to Detroit. And oh, it's, yeah. Th- we have the downtown. That's pretty much what we have. And there's Midtown and, you know, other little little pockets of, of town, quote unquote, that you might want to stop at. But you go to Chicago and it's like, this is a massive city. There are, it's so dense, like densely populated traffic mm-hmm. shit. You know, you're, when you come yeah, here, you're yeah. like, oh, uh, I'll be at your house. You live in a, in a mile away. And I'll, I'll, if I drive my car, I'll be there in 45 minutes. Right. So, but it's, I'm always, that cool. it's always interesting to me how like big cities like Chicago or New York or Boston feel so, they feel so big, but like as far as like, real estate or area they're almost like very small and compact in comparison to like how detroit is so sprawled out yeah it's kind of a weird thing but chicago's cool hate their hockey team but other than that they're cool yeah i don't like their sports teams at all but i have no hate for the cubs but other than that i agree with you yeah but cubs are like everybody likes the. if you're not from chicago and you like a chicago baseball team you like the cubs you don't like the white Sox. but the white Sox. the thing that bothers me about the white Sox is when you look at any kind of merch like I, I look at hat drops, you know, like new era hats or mm. 47 or whatever, and they always have a Chicago White Sox variant, but they will not never, but almost rarely, like in the really special colorways or whatever that they might just do certain teams. The Tigers get the short end of the stick and the Tigers have like an iconic logo that's, you know, yeah. not, it's not a New York Yankees logo, but it's pretty recognizable, iconic. 
I don't think it's that drastically different from the Yankees logo. Yeah, but it New York Yankees logo it's is not like New York. Yeah, yeah, you see that all over the world. But it's, I think the same thing goes for the Yankees and Detroit and the Dodgers and stuff. There's certain like baseball caps that you're wearing just as much. You know, you're wearing that just as much to represent the city as you are the actual team that's on top of that hat, like, or even just the colors. I mean, the yeah. Yankees, the the Tigers, L.A., you know, blue and white. I mean, that's pretty. And the Tigers and the Yankees are pretty, pretty dark blue. The Detroit Tigers, the blue on that is almost so dark that it's black. So it kind of can go with oh, black. Yeah. So I get that. Pizza. I had pizza. That was good. Do you like Chicago style pizza? Oh, I really like it. But I think the reason I really right. like it is because I don't get to have it that much. Whereas mm. if it was, if I lived there and it was like the thing that everybody, you know, oh, Chicago pizza's the best, I'd probably be really over it. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of Chicago pizza. It's basically pizza soup to me, and I'm kind of good with that. It's pizza just soup. like way, it's way too much damn cheese, way too much, it's just too much of everything. I'm very much so, like, I could do a thin crust every now and then, which is not Chicago. I could do New York style. I do like Detroit style, and I'm very happy to eat that the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. But if I was in Chicago, I'd probably... I'm sure there's plenty of pizza spots that make non-Chicago-style pizza, too. But given the options, I'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with, like, a Domino's round because at least it's not, like, 5 billion pounds of cheese on top of, you know, sausage and pepperoni. And sounds kind of good now, but it's not. Yeah, I I didn't shit, like, the whole time we were there because of the pizza. We got pizza the first night. (laughs) It's probably why your back hurt so much because you didn't shit the whole time you were there. Well, it hurt hurt before we got there. But I Uh, we had pizza the first night. We were there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I think mm. I ate a piece of this pizza that we had gotten every day. So every day was just this block of cheese. (laughs) That's a rough go. Had a lot of Mexican food, though. Really good Mexican food. So no no complaints there. So it's a good thing. Yeah. Did you get a chance to catch anything movie or TV wise aside from our topic this week? Ah, the French. I, you know, I I can't think. I'm sure I watched something. I know I watched something last night. And I think because mm-hmm. I was watching Shaun of the Dead, I've been just catch, just keeping up on the same old crap that I've been watching. I don't think I watched yeah. anything real noteworthy. I made a point of powering through. And I, so I think I've told you this like off, like Mike, at some point that I was eventually going to give American Horror Story 1984 a try because although I didn't really like the other seasons, I was like, well, I really like slasher movies and this is supposed to be like their take on the slasher genre. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, what a waste of nine fucking hours or whatever it was to watch it. I mean, it it does have a lot of redeeming qualities. Like there's there's points in it when they're doing a kill. Like their kills are by horror movie standards or or show standards, I guess. Pretty good. They go over the top on the gore for what they can on I don't I'm assuming that was on like just basic cable. Um, I think it used to be on ABC. I don't, if if it's the it new really? one, if it's the new one, I think it's on Hulu. I don't know if it actually even goes it's on, on TV. Amazon Prime right now. Oh, okay. I can't imagine that would be on ABC. American Horror Story was definitely on ABC. Oh, that doesn't seem right. Because this is, if this was a movie, it'd be a hard R. Like, there's no, like, because it's on TV, they like cut away all the nudity stuff, which they hint at pretty heavily. But the gore alone would get this a hard R. What year did that come out? There's this 2019, I think it said. It's season nine. I could be wrong on the year, but I know it's season nine. Season nine. The thing that I don't 
like about it is like instead of trying to well one if you're going to make a story that's a slasher story it sure as hell doesn't need to be nine episodes long unless your runtime is like 10 minutes it doesn't need to be nine episodes long five maybe six is probably pushing it but nine it's like god fucking get through this but then they like mix in ghost story and like this bizarre i'm gonna spoilers if you haven't watched this i don't really care i i should spoil this for you maybe it will save you some time it's got this weird b plot with the night soccer with like someone actually playing richard ramirez in it who kind of turns into like the a plot somewhere around episode four or five but then disappears for a while and then comes back to be like the main and like villain or antagonist i'm not really sure by the end of it and you know i i'm fine with watching movies that show real life serial killers as like some kind of accurate retelling of their story like whether it's a documentary or like zodiac how they did it with fincher's retelling of it which is probably more fiction than documentary i would say yeah but it's still like it's not taking leaps and bounds like away from what the story was as far as we know this is just like if you're going to make this shit up about a guy who actually existed, why not just make a fictional character? You could base it off the Night Stalker. I mean, how many people have been based off of fucking Ed Gain? Yeah. You know? Yeah. As loosely as that can be. Like, you could base it off of him and tell the same story with a fictional character that's not actually him. It's it's really bad. Like, maybe this is just me getting old, but I'm like, I don't know why, but him being, like, a main character in this movie just feels like it's in really bad fucking taste mm. to me. Yeah, it was on so. FX, not ABC. Okay, so that's basic cable, right? Yes. Or essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the thing I don't like yeah, about, it, just kind of go back to your point about the nine episodes thing, that's, you know, when the age of prestige television came on with Breaking Bad and Sopranos, like HBO stuff yeah. especially, because those usually went like 10 episodes. I, right. I know you said this was nine hours, so nine episodes, but I, I can't, maybe it was 10 with commercials or was it? just straight nine episodes no there's some episodes that are like 45 minutes there's some that are closer to like 30 and the ones that are 30 feel like a, a real breath of fresh air and it like i don't think they had a strict runtime because it or they just jammed a shitload of commercials in there mm-hmm. neither would surprise me but it feels like it was an hour time slot because it certainly has points where i, I don't know i've only watched like a handful of episodes of this show prior to this season. I don't think I ever got through a whole season before, but it sure feels like they have like a rule of like, okay, we have to have at least six plot twists per an episode, regardless if it's a plot twist that progresses the story is interesting or for that matter, even makes sense, you know? So they're really, really ramming that down your throat. Like my wife was in the other room laughing because I would be sitting there just like, what the fuck was that? Why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Straight up, like, yelling, kind of like, it, you know, I was in mid-football season four, and even though I'm watching a stupid show that's kind of about, like, about a slasher-style movie. Oh, the other thing that really pissed me off, too, is they didn't just, like, borrow from, they straight up ripped off Friday the 13th in it, which has been done, but to do it to the extent where it's like, oh, well, this kid died, so here comes the mom back to go kill everyone. Like, that's there for, like, one episode. Mm. And they almost shot for shot remake, like, Jason popping out of the lake. And anyone who's ever seen Friday the 13th is going to see that scene coming by, like, a mile. Because you already know, like, kid died in the lake, mom's already gone crazy, she's killing people, blah, blah, blah. 
oh, this guy's floating out here in a boat. I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> you know? yeah. And sure enough, it does. Yeah, I can never so, go back to network TV with the 32 episodes or whatever, hour-long episodes. I remember I oh tried God. to get into Fringe yeah. when my kids were born. And because they nap so much, you know, when they're really small, it was mm. easy because I could watch an episode or two with all the commercials cut out. But, you know, there's like four or five seasons of the show and there's 100 episodes to watch. Like, I don't have 100 hours yeah, or I don't right. have 100 times 45 minutes right. to 450 four 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 thousand five hundred hours whatever minutes jesus right yeah my math is really good and that's not even good math because whatever but yeah, yeah. I, I don't have the time to invest in watching something that long it has to be really good like really good it's actually one of the few things i'll really give disney credit for like what the shows are doing right now and the only one that i've watched really recently was that obi-wan show but that show, I think it was only six episodes and there was no like strict runtime. It felt like they, the concept was tell enough of the story to make this like a chapter and then finish it. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't necessarily have to drag it out to the point. It's Disney and it's Star Wars. You could drag that out for like easily 40 episodes if you really wanted to. But thankfully you didn't, you know, and well, it's only I remember, one season. um, so far, right? Yeah. Exactly. I'm sure there'll be plenty others, but I mean, that's, that's what I've noticed with more of these, um, cause Netflix does this too with like, at least they have done this or they've been better about it. They don't always have like a strict format of it has to be 10 episodes or it has to be a 30 minute clip or whatever the case is. It feels like it's getting a lot more, especially now that there's no time slots and advertising is totally different. Tell the story the right way and make a good product. Hopefully. Yeah, you're there for the story ultimately anyways, so it doesn't if it if right. it's a five episode, if it's a three episode hour long, you know, show, then if that's what fits and, and you can tell the story from the start to the end, then just do that. Right. And in the case if you're trying to make a show out of a slasher movie, you probably don't need to that much of a story to begin with. Let's just you know, there's only like nine main characters, which is about average for like your, you know, slasher story. They killed off like four of them in the first episode. I'm like, how the fuck is this going to be nine episodes? I was expecting like one kid to die an episode or something like that and move towards like whatever their finale was. Yeah, that's not what happens at all. So I've never watched the show. It's an anthology thing, right? Every every season is a new yeah, set they, of characters. And do they have like self-contained um, episodes at all or is it always going towards that I think that it's always plot? a theme okay. per season. And I guess this is the season that kind of strays because a lot of times they reuse the same cast for different seasons mm. for better or worse. But I know they did like they did a season on clowns. So I'm sure you would be all about that. Oh yeah. They did a, I think they did one on another Richard Ramirez thing. The uh, Cecil hotel. I think they did a whole season on that. I'm sure they've done aliens and I think they did a witchcraft one once one year too. I don't know, but they basically take like a theme for the season and just kind of carry that on for, I guess nine episodes. And then the next season is something different. Which I think we've both said this a couple of times, like we like the idea of anthology series. That's a good thing, but I'm not 100 percent sure this show's pulling it off. Right. I just I've never even watched a single episode. I know my sister was in it for into it, not in it, but into it for yeah a short amount of time. But I don't know if she still watches it and she's not really a horror person at all. So I'm, I, I would mm. think that whatever she was watching must have been pretty tame or she's turned into a complete psychopath in her old age. So I, I really, I don't know. I mean, that could be, that could be true too. I wouldn't be surprised if season one is pretty G rated in comparison to where it was by season nine, yeah. because just with where cable TV is gone in that roughly 10 years, 
wouldn't shock me at all if there's if you're looking at the difference between like a you know Ernest Scared Stupid versus like <laughs> you know Plague of the Zombies or something. So, yeah, it did start in 2011. I mean, that was 11 years yeah. ago at this point. So yeah, like you said, a lot's changed since since 2011 right. into where we are with TV now. Yeah, you know what predates all of that though is the topic of this show, which you already said. We're talking about Shaun of the Dead this week. So Shaun of the Dead is a well, actually, before we go into that, did we have anything else to kind of bullshit on before we got into our topic? Nope. Many words. I like it. Shaun of the Dead is a horror comedy movie that came out in 2004, something like that. It is the first of the Cornetto trilogy, which we'll probably cover those other two at some point. But this one's kind of the most easy one for us to cover because it's it's really just a well done zombie movie that happens to be really funny. This is, if I remember right, the first of Edgar Wright's films to really make him like, I don't know if it made him a household name, but it definitely made him on the radar as far as being like a known director. He had stuff before this, like he was in a show, did a show called Space, which also starred Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And I want to say he had another film before this, but it definitely didn't hit the same level of success that this did. And really, at the end of the day, this is, it's right on the poster, this is a romantic comedy with zombies, is the concept of this movie. Out the gate, we'll go ahead and tell you, if you haven't seen this, this I'm not going to really avoid spoilers on this one, because it's it's as many great things as you can say about this movie. I wouldn't say it's thought-provoking or expect like massive like plot twists or anything. It's kind of right down home plate as far as what you would expect for a zombie movie, so there's no huge plot twists in it is that fair yeah i would say it's pretty fair there i mean there's nothing that really nothing that really happens that you're like oh i oh no you know this this happens because it's while it's a horror film while it's a zombie film and while it's like a it's a comedy there's just so much stuff that happens that's really lighthearted. i mean it, it really yeah it really is the first movie that i can think of that first movie of the 2000s at least that really played up to the 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 horror but also the comedy of what could happen in a zombie apocalypse. I mean, it doesn't take itself too seriously at all. I mean, there's parts no. where when they, after they encounter their first zombie, they're throwing records at it to, to try to eliminate it. So, you know, that, that, that should tell you something. They're not, they're throwing toasters and random but things. They, also they find don't even seem like they're a hundred percent aware of the fact that it's a zombie that they're dealing with. They just think she's drunk. Yeah. Well, the second, oh, I mean, no, the second do. one, they see when the news report, yeah, when they're grouped up together, the woman and the fat right. guy, they're kind of, Oh my right. God. Cause the, the second one they meet is a little bit more torn up than the woman is, but yeah, it's super right. lighthearted. It's not, mm. it's, it, it is, ser- it is serious in a way. There are serious things that happen, but it's not, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Thankfully. Did you get to see this one in a the theater when it came out or did you just wait for video on it? You know, I think I, I was trying to think about that earlier. I've seen it a lot on DVD or whatever at the time, probably around 2005. Mm. I didn't see this when it came out and I think I'm trying to think of how I heard about it. I think I had just heard that it was really funny or I had, I knew somebody that had seen it or something. My roommate at the time, uh, I think we kind of watched it together. So I've seen it several times, but I didn't see it in the theater. I don't, I don't think I did. I do remember seeing this in a theater because I I don't remember what I saw ahead of it, but they actually had a poster up in the theater for it. And this movie didn't get a lot of like advertisement until, probably into its second run in the theater because i think dollar theaters were still kind of like hanging on by their last thread Mm -hmm. at that point 
but it definitely didn't come out the gate like getting a ton of press. But once it kind of picked up that this is a really great movie, start seeing it around. But I, I remember seeing this on opening weekend just because I was like, I don't know who these guys are. I don't at the time, the idea of a romantic comedy with zombies, I was like, now that sounds super cliched, like something we've probably seen a hundred times. But at that point, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen this. I, the closest thing I can think of that's a comedy with zombies is Return of the Living Dead. And I sure love that movie. So I imagine this will at least be mildly entertaining. And I actually expected it to lean into the comedy side of the movie a lot more. Like, I expected it to be more... And it's not to say that it's not any of these things, but I expected more slapstickness to it and kind of more like almost like a Jim Carrey approach to a, a zombie movie for whatever reason. And they probably could have gotten away with that and been like moderately successful. But what they do right on this, I mean, they really lean into the practical effects, making the zombies look really good. And whether you want to believe that this is how like a zombie apocalypse would play out or not, that's kind of silly either way and irrelevant but it plays off really believable that these two idiots would just kind of stagger through london in the middle of this like apocalypse and have the have shenanigans ensue when you were saying that you were expecting it to be a little bit more and you're kind of looking for the word the word that instantly came to mind for me that i thought this would be is definitely more slapstick and it's it, it does have some of those kind of elements to it, but it's not like Three Stooges over the top slapstick. And the other thing, I think this movie really took off. Like you said, it didn't have a whole lot of marketing. I don't remember it having a whole lot of marketing, but I think this one took off more. I remember after it came off. Like, you know, how movies used to get there like before it came out marketing. And then when they're like, oh, people are seeing this, they would put out like a trailer. Yeah, like, with like reaction shots together. or something. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those. Yeah, I, I want to say it was, uh, for me, it was definitely more of a word of mouth thing. I don't think I remember seeing too much of the actual marketing for it, more than people saying, oh, have you seen this? You know, like, oh, I know you're into movies, <laughs> zombie movies, horror movies, whatever. Have you seen this? And I was like, no, I don't even know what that is. I think, I think that's how it went. I mean, it was 2004. That was a lifetime ago. Right. But yeah. I, it was many mom waters ago. Yeah, a whole shit ton of mom waters a whole ago. bunch of karens a whole bunch of lindas yeah lots of sandys so, julies just a ton of them but, oh, but yeah i think julie it, even made her way in there yeah i think it i think it just really took off more mm -hmm. of like a cult like a cult film i think that right i don't know how successful this was at the box office where where i'm a bad podcast host because i don't know that and i probably should have researched it ahead of time but i don't think it made a whole lot of money at least in the u.s it, upon release but i think it really took off in home video or DVD sales or rentals or whatever. It did pretty good. I mean, for this kind of movie, it had a, so it's using the conversion for what's on IMDb. It had roughly a $3,300,000 budget, which is pretty low budget at that time for what this movie turned into. And it grossed worldwide at 30 million, 30 million 97 and the U S alone, it did 13 million. So, and I would imagine the other half of that is probably heavily on in England because this is a British comedy. Right. I don't know if that gross includes like DVD and streaming rights and all that type of stuff that comes well after. But it certainly did make its money back, to say the least. And, you know, in 2004, you still had a point where you could get comedy movies, like get a comedy movie that had like a three million dollar budget. And it was considered a huge success if it made 20, 30 million dollars. Yeah, so definitely. So 
we should probably backtrack because we haven't even really said what the plot line of the story is. We've kind of danced around it a little bit. But what this movie's really about is essentially you're looking at a guy whose name is Sean. And much like our host or co-host, host, whatever you want to be this week. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sean's basically going through a breakup with his girlfriend, Liz. He's kind of in a rut of his life. And his roommate, Ed, who is played by Nick Frost, who is one of my personal heroes in cinema because he's just great in everything is basically a stoner like stays home all the time like we've all had one of these in our life type roommates that's just he's fun to be around but he is utterly fucking hopeless and maybe it was on one of us um, you never know no i've i've always had i i haven't been that sadly or <laughs> thankfully or yeah for better or for worse Right. So anyway, these two go to the pub to try to drink Sean's woes away. And over the course of really the first act of this movie, you're seeing signs of people that might or might not be coming be becoming the undead. You could they're all things up until the like the first bar scene where they could just be really strange people. They could just be Brits or they could be the living dead. There's like a real fine line at walks of trying to kind of hide that from you until you know the big the real big reveal yeah you Um, you see a lot of the signs in the newspapers that they show or in like the news reports that they switch that they turn off but there becomes a very clear line as to when they are totally oblivious to it and when things really start to get bad like it it really happens overnight they kind of wake up and and they realize that oh you know, that's when they meet their first, not the first zombie they actually see, but the first one that they recognize is actually being a zombie. Right. I do love when they're trying, before they've really put it together, when Sean wakes up and staggers to the couch and he's flipping through channels and everything they seeing just pieces together this perfect story of what's going on. It's really the only time I've ever, ever been okay with the use of the Smiths in any circumstance, but panic on the streets really of well London. Done. Yeah. <laughs> It's a really done, well done little clip of channel surfing where it tells you exactly what's happening. And then kind of right at that point, that's where just things go drastically downhill. Right. So, yeah, I really love that part, um, that little montage with the switching of the channels yeah. to piece together news, either mm-hmm. things happening on TV or news broadcasts. And eventually it becomes all news broadcasts that tell you right. like they just lay out, Hey, this is what's going on. Or at least this is what we think is going mm. on because it's so early and so kind of chaotic. Right. And it's, it's one of the, there's so many little clever things in this movie that I, I this movie's written by both Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, but there's so many little things like that that are kind of sprinkled in through this movie. It's, it's not only like clever, it's, it's straight up damn ingenious for this kind of movie because like we said, we both went into this expecting it to be really slapsticky, and that type of joke in there is a far cry. It, it's funny. It's funny as hell, but it is not a slapstick type of joke. Yeah, they just really sprinkle these little clever things throughout the entire movie. Things mm-hmm. where it's a serious situation. The you got right on you, gag. Yeah, yeah. There's like seri- a serious situation, but it's always tempered with the, this com- comedic thing and vice versa. You know, it's this really good right. ebb and flow, give and take of the serious and the comedic things that happen. There's a scene that I can think of. This is like the first time this movie is the first time I can remember seeing Bill Nighy 
and he looks and the thing I was thinking about when I was watching this movie is I've seen him in stuff since, right? He's he's been in yeah. He seemed to pop he's up been in all every over the one place. Of these movies. Yeah. yeah. And he seems to have popped up all over the place overnight. Like I don't know if I remember a time before I knew who he was, but I don't remember a movie before this one seeing him seeing him and thinking he's so young. He looks or I always thought he was really yeah. old, but he looks really young, you know, in comparison to now. And there's a scene he gets a Sean gets a call from his mom and says that there was a bit of a scuffle while Philip was washing his car and some hoodlums like attacked him or whatever, basically. And he got bit. So so Sean and Ed devised this plan to go rescue their mom or his mom, not their mom. Lots of mom jokes, too. And they get to the house and he's he's sitting. Philip is sitting in this chair and he's kind of got his eyes closed and you're expecting that he may be a zombie. And and Sean has to figure out how he's going to deal with this. And he's, you know, he says some off color thing like, oh, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to deal with this, basically? And I'm so sorry, Philip. Right. Yeah. And Philip is like, sorry for what? (laughs) He's like totally conscious. He's awake. He's just sitting there. It's just stuff like that where, you know, the lead up to that scene is some of the best stuff in that movie. Like, I love the fact that when she when he's you go back like maybe two minutes in movie time. When he's on the phone with his mom still, and she tells him that he he got a little bitey, and he just kind of puts his hand over the receiver of the phone. And yes, there was a point where you, for kids at home, there was a point where you could cover part of the phone and people wouldn't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> he covers part of the phone, and he says to Ed, he goes, oh, we might have to kill Philip. He's like, oh, <laughs> just moves on all nonchalant about it. Right. But so this kind of leads into the second part of the movie where or the second act of the movie where. They basically develop this plan to be able to get from to a place where they can be safe and survive what they assume is just this like, you know, one short night term, thing. like, yeah, kind of like what we thing. thought with COVID. Which is <laughs> just yeah, be a week. No big deal. So. You know, no, no, nothing serious. Um, and the great thing about, I mean, one, their plan is very much so like, I'm like, God, that's probably the kind of dumbass thing I would do is I would just go to the bar and hide there because they have food and, you know, whatever. But what's great about it is when you're watching them, because they, they're assuming they have to kill Sean's stepfather at this point, And he becomes more and more like not just comfortable, but like just fine with you know, murdering his stepdad as he goes through this like progression of explaining their plan yeah when they explain the plan they do these cuts they do these cuts where it's like okay Mm -hmm. we're gonna do this then we're gonna do this and then it's all gonna work out and the first time they kind of off fill up and it's like they clang them you know it's a little bit more of a it's like a three second scene dramatic yeah and then it becomes like a a half a second thing that oh we're just gonna take care of them and then we're gonna move on (laughs) well it's funny because it goes like from i'm so sorry philip to Sorry, clunk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's also one of the first times in in this particular movie where you I shouldn't say that because there's scenes before this that do it too, but you really see how well this movie is timed to the music that is in the movie. And there's times where they do it, and the movie is the characters in the movie are actually hearing the music and they're reacting to the music in cue with it. It's choreographed that way. Mm-hmm. And there's other times like this where they're breaking down their plan to get to the pub, and it's almost like they shot it with the music in cue so they could move in beat to how the music plays and it's got this like that scene in particular it's like got this like 70s cop show vibe when they're going from point a to point b which just makes it feel really goofy at the same time you're dealing with all this you know crazy shit so yeah and i think that's something edgar wright does really well like in all these movies oh, and yeah. the, i think the culmination of that whole thing is baby driver right i mean that's like 
It's almost yeah, like I still a musical. Seen that, but I've heard that. Oh, I mean, yeah, you got to see that. I still haven't seen that. Yeah, you have to see that. Um, but, but this movie, the use of music in this movie is really well done. There, are, like you said, yeah. there are pieces where the filming or things that they do are kind of surrounded by this music that kind of wraps it. And there are scenes in this movie where it is choreographed to music, like things that the the characters are doing on screen are one to one with the music. And I think one of my favorite things pieces like that is even at the beginning when they come out of the winchester out of the pub the the, white lines yeah when they want to come out they they come (laughs) out and they're it's the first night they're not they don't know anything about the zombie apocalypse that's you know burgeoning and they they do this whole white lines was a grandmaster flash like white lines what's that it's the acapella yeah and there's this zombie guy just like they're singing the song and the guy groans like in between at the parts of the song where there's like, they, they mm-hmm. say a, a line and he's, they do like a, what is that? Like, what is that called? Not a call repeat, but call and answer kind of thing. Yeah. Where they, they do it and the zombie guy yeah, yeah. like reacts to it. And that was one of the jokes too that got, once this did start having trailers on TV, that joke was in the trailer. And for a while I thought this joke would get really old really quick because it's one of those like, it's a good joke to put in the trailer because it is the kind of one that gets you an idea of like how the humor is in this movie. Mm-hmm. But if you hear it enough, you're like, this is going to get really old really quick. And I don't know. When I watched it the other day, I still laughed pretty hard at it. So it must be a really well written piece or I just, it's been long enough that I haven't watched it. And it was funny again. Yeah. One of the two. And I haven't seen this. I don't even remember the last time I had, I'd actually seen this movie before we watched it for this. And I think for me, mm. one thing about this movie is that it was so played like it was on comedy central would play it and i want to say like and it was like a mainstay of comedy central it was on all the time and i want to say like shows like not necessarily cartoon network but it feels like any kind of show or any kind of network or or cable tv station that catered towards younger guys you know like spike or whatever it was before that would play this movie constantly i'm sure it ended up on mtv at some point oh i'm sure yeah one of them yeah Yeah. and i think it it got to the point where i'd seen it so much that i just couldn't watch it anymore but it was nice to have that break because then i realized watching this time just how funny like little asides little Mm -hmm. things that happen that aren't even necessarily intended to be called out as being funny you know like they don't they don't riley look at the camera and make like a face and give you a thumbs up it's just right it's just funny like things that they say the dialogue just little things in the dialogue are really amusing it's also how they deliver the lines and the dialogue like this the famous fence scene that gets reused in every one of these movies the way he does it is executed so perfectly and he's so like confident and smug and it's totally like at this point he's got his ex-girlfriend with him and her idiot friends that he doesn't like and everyone he's trying to be the big man that's trying to save the day and just makes a total ass of himself it's the it's executed perfectly it's delivered perfectly and it a hundred percent works yeah and i want to say that he was in that scene where he does the fence jump it's mm. so he goes up to the fence fall yeah <laughs> he goes up and he's gonna like hop over this fence basically just jump straight over it and mm. I want to say he gives he does some heroic thing like right before this happens, isn't doesn't he? Or he does something where he just comes across as being this really confident guy. And it's just this pratfall that happens that it just kind of like, yeah, it, it lets all the air out of that balloon that had just been blown up. So it's it's kind of genius in that way. Just little things like that in this movie are just the the piece de resistance to, to the 
the whole kind of story, all the comedy that's just sprinkled in here. Well, and it's it's really good, too, because with stuff like that and really how these characters interact with each other, for a movie that really doesn't spend a lot of time getting you to, like, before the zombies show up, you don't get a ton of, like, backstory on these characters. They don't spend too much time really, like, breaking down history or all that kind of crap with them but the chemistry they built between these was it five six people that are in this like ragtag group of people trying to get to the pub it plays out really well between it's pretty obvious that they probably had a good like relationship off the movie because they just like dish it out to each other and do it flawlessly through the whole movie but they also with the exception of david who's like the harry potter looking prick of the movie they seem to really like genuinely care about each other, even though they give you the pretense that there's some bad things going on between these relationships. Sean's relationship between him and his mom is it, it's almost adorable, like through half the movie. And then, you know, the worst of it happens. That, that's really the only real like intense part of the movie I'd say is when eventually gets bitten and it almost plays off like a little dramatic moment. I'm like, Oh, they managed to put some actual like, legit acting chops in the middle of this like goofy zombie comedy movie yeah i think both the parents kind of this philip the stepfather and the mom kind of meeting Mm. their their ultimate demise i guess are the the two really big emotional parts of this movie just to kind of go back a little bit the way the movie starts is this pub scene where sean and, and liz don't really break up at this point because there's like another step that goes on sean just kind of is absent-minded he's not really paying attention and he just blows off something that he should have done but at the beginning of the movies there's there's just a short like i don't even know if it's three three or five minute scene it's probably three minutes and it just sets up this relationship so well between the two groups mm. right with liz and her roommates or her flatmates or whatever and and sean and ed just kind of you know, the, it shows a real dynamic between the group, and that is just kind of pushed throughout the whole movie when they're together. It it really, it's not to blow this movie too much, but it it's really kind of masterful the way that they set, they foreshadow, you know, all this stuff to come just with this little, really short scene at the beginning of the movie, and it just sets everything up to work really well together. This is a hard movie to really have, like, too much negative to say. I mean, the biggest things you could really pull as negatives on this is... More than likely, this movie is so easy and so fun to watch that it will hit points where you're like, I need a break from this movie for a long time. This, like, for me, this is in my, like, I've had too many to drink and I just want something stupid to watch and I kind of pop this in, like, often. So I've seen it, you know, it sounds like more recently than you before this. But there's plenty of times, like you were saying, with it being on TV all the time, I I would look at it like, I love that movie, but, uh, like, you know can't will will myself to do it right now that's kind of the biggest like it's not even the fault of the movie really that's just the fault of the fact that they made a movie that's enjoyable and you know you can't watch the same thing every day and for what you can but gets old yeah i think it just entered the zeitgeist it was so just it was fresh it was different well yeah but it was just everywhere like you could not avoid seeing this for a period of time especially if you were our age kind of growing up when this movie came out not necessarily growing up but you are our age and the movie comes out you have cable tv it's just on all the time it's almost unavoidable right i i don't know i i mean i haven't pulled at my friends recently but i don't know of all my friends if i have a friend someone that i would consider like a close friend that hasn't seen this movie i don't know if i've 
close friend or otherwise if I've ever met someone who hasn't said they at least enjoyed this movie. I don't know if I can go that far because I, I haven't polled everybody. I don't know if everybody mm. really enjoyed this movie because I'm sure some people that aren't into the genre, you know, may have been sure. forced to watch it for for lack of a better term and didn't enjoy it. But I, I think anybody that's really into this kind of whole subgenre of horror comedy or likes zombie movies, the thing that's really genius about it is that it it has all those elements of a good zombie movie minus all you could take all the comedy out of it and it's still a good zombie movie and with adding that comedy in there is just that extra thing that just puts it over the top of being like a a a total rewatchable movie you know time over time over time i also think the story would be a mess but you could take the zombie elements out of it and still have a really good comedy movie too it would be weird, like you just have people making this weird trip like across the city to go to the bar. But I think the dialogue and the way that's written, say you replace the zombies with, I don't know, Aliens. angry cows or something. Yeah, whatever. Um, there has to be I some kind of protagonist. There has to be some kind of bad yeah. force or something. Like you could say this is nuclear war or, you know, right. Mad Max or bandits, medieval. Uh, My point is the dragons. comedy stands up just as well as the horror does. Right. So. Yeah, it stands. It definitely stands it needs both of those feet. It needs or both legs. It mm. needs the it needs the horror or some kind of antagonist, an antagonist or like opposing force. Right. But the comedy is just as strong as that other part of the storyline. There's also for the horror fans out there a ton, a ton of fucking nods and Easter eggs just sprinkled through this entire movie. My favorites are always the Evil Dead cutaway scenes, like when he's spreading the to- jam on the toast mm-hmm. or. uh when he brushes his teeth at the, the way they just do the quick little cuts on in Sam Raimi style, those always crack me up because it's, you know, a difference between like a chainsaw and like a bloody hand to like breakfast. You know, there's a million callbacks to the Romero, like all the Romero films, like right from the beginning. They, they named Sean's mom, Barbara, because of, you know, Night of the Living Dead right. and, Honestly, when when Ed delivers the "We're coming to get you, Barbara" line, I think it's better than the Night of the Loving Dead version, just because it's so goofy. Yeah, it's and it, Frost it works really well. It, so. Right, that <laughs> <laughs> helps it a little bit. Um, yeah, and he he over delivers it too, but it, it works so well. There's a lot of like really fun stuff about like the practical effects, like we mentioned. This does really like land I, i'm sure there's some cg in here but it's hard to pick out where it is but i know one of them the the guy at the beginning who doesn't have an arm like you actually see him at the beginning of the movie they found a guy without an arm to actually play an extra yeah with no arm like an armless like he has a, he's missing an arm but he's a stuntman yeah yeah so they you know they went the right route with that which is great and i like all the callbacks throughout the movie to things that they run into things that you see once at one point in the movie and then it reappears at another point for either comedic or zombie stuff. Almost everybody two. that you see in that first, the the first act that before the zombie stuff first, happens. First like five minutes of the movie. Yeah, all those people come back. They're all zombies like later right. in the movie. You see them in scenes. They might be in the front of the zombie crowd or they might just be like somebody they pan by or someone that you see again. I think the only real CGI that I can pick out that really sticks out in my mind are some of the, there's like scenes where certain zombies get impaled and they do this camera thing where they'll show through the body. That's clearly yeah. CGI. But other than that, maybe blood splatter or something is probably the most, but it seems like a majority of the effects in this movie are practical. That the, the fat zombie that you see at the beginning with the woman in the garden you can tell he's got like some kind of thing on his face because it's different, yeah, it's way different color than the rest sword. of his head. 
But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably the one thing that really sticks out as being kind of like, yeah, it's not great. But other than that, it's, it's, it's pretty, they're pretty good zombie effects for, for the rest of the movie. Do you have a favorite scene in this movie or favorite scenes that you want to mention? I think some of my favorites are just kind of that planning, that planning sequence mm. when they're kind of talking about their plan. What are we going to do? We we need to go someplace that we, we're going to be safe. We're going to be able to defend and that I can smoke at. So that rules out Liz's apartment. They can't bring right. him back to the house because that's already been kind of breached. But the Winchester that's got they have a real gun there. I mean, they have a rifle above the bar, but it, I heard it doesn't work. So. But yeah, I, right. I love that whole planning scene. That's probably one of my one of my favorites. And the the scene where they get, Ed, I didn't really remember this one until I remember the driving stuff. But they take mm. their other roommate's car, their other flatmate's car, to go to his go to Sean's mother's house. And it's weird that my name's Sean and his name is Sean. I, I keep forgetting that that's what his name is. I have to think about it. It's not Simon. It's not Simon Pegg. It's Sean. But they. They take the. You could be on a first name basis with them. I don't mind. Yeah, well, it's just hard. Nobody will know who the hell I'm talking about if I keep switching them up. But they they take the roommate's car, the flatmate's car, and they go to the parents' house and they have a jag, which this jag's probably slow as shit. It looks really big and heavy. But he, while he's while Sean is in the house talking to his mom and Philip, you hear all this like noise in the background. And when they come out, they're like, Sean's like says to Ed, "What happened to the car?" And he's like, oh, I don't know, something something happened. And it, you can see it's like basically wrapped around a pole, so they have to take the jack. <laughs> I love that scene. That's I think that's great. And I then the like, driving stuff says, after uh, that. Sewer Park. He goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I would say the planning scene is one of my favorites, but the other one that always, and this is one that's iconic in this movie, would be the uh, second trip to the bar when Queen comes on the jukebox is so well done and it's so well choreographed and it is by far like this is before freddie mercury was having his resurgence like is the best use of a queen song and i'm sorry wayne's world this is the best use of a queen song in any movie ever and then also sorry to the new was it bohemian rhapsody was that the name of the biopic yeah i was just thinking what is that called is that called just queen i think it's called bohemian Bohemian Rhapsody. rhapsody yeah Yes, but don't this, stop me now. Yeah, don't stop me now. It's like the most happy, upbeat, like fun. It's almost a dance song. Yeah, and they literally just like club this big dude. Like, who's again? He's a stunt man that's in zombie makeup, so he, you know he knows what he's getting into. They literally just club this guy for like a, the entire length of the song, almost, and it is the most like chaotic, well choreographed like zombie fight scene that that I can think of. <laughs> Including, like, the darts going into his head, him getting, like, you know, switched around and pushed into the jukebox, and then finally figuring out that the gun actually does work. Right. So- and, and it's funny because it's England, and they don't have as much of access to guns, and nobody, like, knows how to use it. And they're, shoot- like, when they shoot, right. they're shooting all over the place. That's great. I-, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was funny. That's the other thing about this movie is one of the notes I wrote down was that just how British... It all is. Obviously, it's it's in England. You know, it's in London. It's going to obviously be British. But I feel like other than 28 Days Later, maybe I'm not really thinking of all the all the movies in the zombie pantheon. But this is like one of the few that actually take place in 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 London, you know, in, in England itself that 28 Days Later obviously does. And I think the next one, actually, that one might be 20, well, 28 weeks. It's might not be. a zombie. Yeah. Well, OK. 28 weeks is like in the countryside. I mean, there's yeah. I, I'm sure there's probably a ton more that we probably don't even know about right? Uh, sure. just because we're not there. 
just like there's, you know, all kinds of them. I'm sure that's a thing, but I can't think of any, like, just zombie movie. I don't even really consider 28 Days Later a, a zombie movie because they're not really, well, that's a, that's yeah, a discussion that's another for another podcast. For another day. But yeah, I can't think of another zombie movie. I think of other horror movies that take place there. Oh, sure. But yeah. Not a ton, not as many as you would think. Yeah, it's just I just um, I just love how British it is. I love all the little sayings that they have. I don't know if you watch. Did you watch when you watch this, or have you ever watched the, any of the commentaries with this? I'm sure I have. I don't remember them at like the moment, but I'm sure three I have. or four different commentary tracks on the on the DVD. I have it on Blu-ray, so I don't know if it's on there. Oh, but I'm, I'm sure I'm, it is. I don't remember. I'm sure I have because I actually find all three of the people that are like the the leads being Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost. Generally, if you want to put a microphone in front of them, I'll probably at least listen to what any one of those three people have to say, like more good than bad type thing. Mm -hmm. But I can't remember anything that's on. I know there's a ton of stuff where they kind of let you know how, like, tell you how the the sauce is made through it. Now, I've heard a ton of stories about that over the years, like, but I don't remember anything more specific about the actual commentary track. Yeah, I didn't get a chance. I was um, listening to the Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg one after I watched it. Like, immediately, I just restarted it, but I didn't get very far into it when it was kind of late. You know what's funny about this? You, you mentioned, and I wanted to bring up being a British comedy, too. It It is very British, but it's also very dialed back by what you generally think. Like, well, I should let me dial myself back. It's very dialed back for what Americans think of when they think of British comedy. This is not Monty Python or Faulty Towers or any of that type of stuff. That's just, and that stuff has its place too. Like I, I'm not going to act like I don't like Monty Python stuff, but it's not nearly that level of goofy and overpronounced and like human cartoony type stuff. Yeah. I was just going to say too, so. along the line of British comedy, if you are a fan of this movie or if you've seen this movie and you like the comedy and, you you know, the brand of comedy that they do, if you haven't seen Spaced, I would definitely recommend that, too. That was on Netflix for quite a while. I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but it's probably floating around streaming somewhere. On, Hulu or something? I thought, saw, I thought I watched it on YouTube. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. But it's, it's I mean, a, Edgar Wright directs most yeah. of those episodes, if not all of them. I mean, I'll go as far right now to say that I think if Edgar Wright puts his name on something, I'm probably at least willing to give it a try, if nothing else. Yeah. He's more than proven himself to be he's more than proven himself to not only be a, a competent director, but he's also proven himself to take stories that I thought I would have no interest in at all and make extremely entertaining movies out of. Like I think not to sidetrack too far, but I thought Scott Program pilgrim was going to be a total piece of garbage and it is a fantastic movie and i know there's a lot of things that go into a movie like that but i think the biggest thing that goes into that is edgar wright being at the helm of it so well you can you can test that theory when running man comes out is he doing a running man he is it's announced like a like hunger games like arnold schwarzenegger running man i'm gonna guess the futuristic united states of 2025 when the world has become a dystopia. So that sounds about right. We're on track. Right. That uh, that makes brand. Where you put it on the hot dog scale? I give the, I would say I would give this eight hot dogs out of 12 dogs can't look up. I think I think it's a really complete Damn movie. Damn it, you beat me to that fucking... That was going to be... <laughs> that, that's, you should have just given your rating. I just think it's a great, a really great no, mix. No, it wasn't going to be that. That wasn't going to be... Never mind. Okay, well... Anyway. <laughs> I think it's a good mix of comedy and horror. It, it Like we said earlier... It, mm. You can't do in this movie, you can't have one without the other. It's not so serious that the horror elements just really push it over the top and being something that you 
people that are, aren't into gory movies can't watch. I mean, it does have some gory elements to it. It does have some, you know, maybe for some like more squeamish viewers that might have one of those like cover your eyes kind of moments here or there. But it, it just balances it out really well. And I think that's what is so genius about this, like I said before, is that when there's a serious or a horror element, there's always a comedic element to break the ice or to kind of bring you back a little bit. It has this really good back and forth flow. And I think the thing that makes this so such a good movie is that for people that aren't necessarily really big into horror, it's super accessible because of that com- comedic element. So I'm going to give it eight and a half hot dogs out of two dismembered legs used as weapons. David, This movie is, <laughs> again, horror meets comedy. Right. Anytime that you can use a dismembered limb as a weapon, you should. Especially when the leg instantly gets rigor mortis for some reason. So... <laughs> No, this movie is, as far as comedy movies go, I'd say this is one of my all-around favorites. It's I can't say that about it being a horror movie, but the horror elements make it just, for me, like, just infinitely great. Like, it's it's a fun watch. It really does hold up well. And again, I do get tired of it, which is why I can't grade it much or rate it much higher than that. Yeah. But, you know, especially if you give it 12 months or so between like watching if you get tired of it six 12 months whatever it is six 12 beers whatever it takes some sort of time travel in there it absolutely is it is not it's just like putting on a monty python movie or dumb and dumber it's one of those it's like the jokes feel just as good and fresh and relevant in this as they they ever did or at any point they never get old and everyone these are characters that you are they might or might not be relatable to, but they're so likable that it doesn't really matter. You just, they're enjoyable to watch. To wrap it though, let me ask you, can dogs look up? That's why I was, why I was going to bring that up. I was kind of hoping you would forget about that little piece. I mean, I, I, I would think you have two dogs. I don't have any. So I would think that you would know much better than me, but I've been around enough dogs. I never really understood what that means. Like, I, is it some kind of inside joke that I'm just not getting? Or is it just something that's said to kind of make you think that there's something that you're not getting. I do like him holding the bloody dart that you just pull out of his head and saying, but dogs can look up. You know, I this is what I've always wondered with it. When you say dogs can't look up, are you not you, but when right. they say dogs can't look up, do they mean they can't move their head upwards and look up? Like, because my dogs do that. They try, they chase things up a tree. Sure. And they're, they're looking up in that Howl sense. at the moon. Or do you mean that? Yeah, that too. Well, they don't do that much, but yeah. Or do you mean like, in the sense, like, from a peripheral sense, like, the, can you move your eyes up and down and look up like that? Is And I don't think they can do that. Or if they can, they don't seem like they can do it. Okay, let me. Don't respond We're going to go totally it. off the rails here. Let me ask you, what, when they're laying on the ground, what about when they're laying on the floor, you know, on their, on their stomachs with their paws out? Don't they, like, look around? Their eyes shift around. You can see a little eyebrows moving. They're looking up at that point. Yeah, but their snout is up. So their whole head is what do you up. mean their snout is up? Googling, can dogs look up? What do you mean their snout is up? Their, their like heads are on the ground. When mine are like doing that, they're facing upwards as far as the way they're looking. So I guess in that sense, they can. My parents have dogs and whenever we're there and they're laying and they have their chin on the floor, their chin's on the floor, head's not moving. They're looking up. They're looking According around. According to Google, con- so Google says, conclusion, so dogs do look up but they are an unlikely they are unlikely to be able to in the same way that humans can to say they can't is a myth dogs look up 
for different reasons, depending on their personality and experiences. How stupid is this? <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we have totally gone off the rails. Yeah. So, so to answer the question that everyone's asking, can dogs look up? Maybe. Right. Um, we don't know. Inconclusive. Right. Inconclusive, but that's fine. So in the meantime, while you're you know debating whether or not dogs can look up, Again, this one is pretty high up there for our recommendations. We really got to start finding a movie that we don't like to complain more, but this one is worth watching and worth your time. Fun one all around. In the meantime, while you're watching that, follow us on all the social medias. We're at Dewey Pod Monster. Let us know what you think about this movie or this show. That'd be even better. You could find us on any platform that way. Our, well, you've probably found our stream if you're listening to this, so I'm not even going to read that right now. Sean, where are you at? Plug your plugs. You can find me, at least some of my content, at youtube.drafttherapy.com. It'll take you to my YouTube channel where I talk about Michigan beer. Wow, by the time you hear this, you'll probably realize that I haven't posted in a while, so I'm on a, on a short, self-imposed hiatus, a little mental health break. We'll see where this road takes us. But in the meantime, you can find me on all the social media at Draft Therapy. What he's not telling you, he's taking a break to do the science to find out if dogs can look That's up. That's right. I got to open the draft therapy lab. Last time we did pickles and beer, we're going to have to do, do can dogs look up? I like this idea. This is a good, good thing. Science is good. We'll talk to you guys next week. Draft therapy is on hiatus, but we are not. So we'll keep coming around with, you know, all kinds of weird things to talk about. And maybe we'll have something a little bit newer to talk about uh, next time we... we we you hear from us or whatever we're doing anyway have a good week i'll stop stumbling over my words for a minute or two are you asking me for the recording or are you asking me before the i give you my official what's the difference i don't know i can edit around you didn't phrase you it in a question. You didn't way. phrase you it in the way that we usually talk about it. So I was like, oh, so are you asking because you want to shore up hot dogs or? No. Where do you put this on your hot dog scale? <laughs>